Well, we're in our series called Ephesians, and uh, we're at the halfway mark. All right, good? Huh? Huh? Hey. Yeah. Okay. Are you guys enjoying this series? All right. So the first part, especially the first part, the second part, in my opinion, is a little more fun. But the first part is super complicated. Um, I didn't realize until I, I've never like spoken a whole series out of Ephesians before, and I didn't realize how how much Paul packs in to a short amount of space. And so that's the part. The the concepts aren't necessarily complicated to understand, right? But uh, but it's just. You, I could do a sermon on every sentence, okay? That's the problem here. Uh, but, uh, but we're making it through. Uh, this morning, what I want to do is uh, I want to talk to us as a church family, okay? You guys realize we're a family? Or let me say this, we're supposed to be a family, right? Um, and so let me say this. Uh, if you are new, okay, and uh, you, you know, this isn't, you know, you're just coming to check, check this out and you're just here um, because maybe somebody drug you here, they promised you lunch afterwards. Um, that's good. We want you here. All right. We, this is where, you know, if you have questions, we have answers. Okay. There are answers to your questions. Uh, but, uh, but just know as I'm talking today, this message isn't necessarily for you. Okay. Or not, it's not for you yet. Let's say that. Um, this is for those of us who call grace our church home, and those of us who have truly started a relationship with God, which, which isn't everybody in this room, um, but, uh, but come back next week, and, uh, and it'll be for everybody again next week. But, uh, but this morning, what I want to do is I want to show you biblically, okay, this is not from me, all right, biblically, what a healthy church looks like, okay? Sometimes I feel like we just need to take a step back all right, and kind of look big picture and go, okay, all right, this is what a healthy church looks like. Um, are we Grace Community Church here in, in Tiffin, Ohio, are we uh, a healthy church or is our church healthy? And so um, I totally understand as we're going through this that a lot of us, we have different backgrounds. Okay, we all have different backgrounds. Um, probably every person in here, um, I would assume you have gone, you've gone to a different church or you've been a part of a different church. And I know maybe even most of you, you've been a part of a church where you look back and you're like, yeah, wasn't the most healthy family. Okay? Anybody? Yeah? Okay. All right. So, okay. Yeah. So, we all come from different, you know, different backgrounds. And so, this is going to affect us differently. So, I'm going to talk on the macro level, okay, kind of the bird's eye view, but I want you to think on the micro level, okay, as we're going through here, as we're going through this. Basically, mainly, how are you doing in these areas that we're going to be talking about? Um, so me, I'll say, hey, this is what a healthy church should look like, all right, this is what God says, and you, I want you to be asking yourself the question, hey, am I adding to the health of this church or am I taking away from the health of this church? The... Uh, the last three, three weeks, uh, we've gone through the first half of the book of Ephesians, and it's really, Ephesians was just a letter that Paul wrote to this church um, in this huge city called Ephesus, and the first half, got, Paul, he's really explaining the gospel story, okay? So he's saying, hey, this is what God's done for you, this is what Jesus did, and because of what Jesus did, the second half, right, transitions to, this is how you need to live your life. Because of this, do this, all right? Does that make sense? All right, there. I, we need some feedback here, okay? Uh, first service, mate, I was just bored, all right? So I'm going to need you guys to wake up a little bit and, and work with me here. Um, so because of this, do this. And he starts right away 
and in Ephesians chapter four, verse one, and this is the, the point in the letter where, it starts to sh- where Paul starts to shift focus. The first word is therefore. Now in seminary, they taught us, uh, future pastors, right, to uh, whenever you see the word therefore, you ask yourself, what's it there for, okay? Pretty simple. Um, because the word therefore is always connecting two thoughts, right? That makes sense. So what Paul is saying here, he's saying, hey, therefore, because God chose you, everything we've talked about for the last three weeks here, he's saying because God chose you, because he adopted you into his family, because he poured out his grace on you, uh, even though, remember, even though we were dead, even though we were messed up, even though, you know, Paul says Satan worshipers, he's saying even though we were dead in our sins, He's saying he did that so that we could be rooted, this is last week, rooted and grounded in love and so we can, we can experience God's love and we can actually get to know God's love. He's saying because of all that, therefore, do this. Rest of the verse. He says, therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, he says, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received. Now, there's some verses in the Bible that I'll read and I have to like take a step back. I'm like, whoa, how do I do that, right? Um, that kind of blow me away a little bit. This is one of them. Um, li- uh, here's, here's God basically telling us to live worthy, right? Um, I think a lot of times we just skim over this stuff. But if you actually think about it, it's like, wait, how do I do that? Right? Now, a lot of us, it's the opposite. We, we read it and we're like, yeah, you know, for the most part, yeah, I generally live worthy, right? I'm a good person. I, I'm nice to everybody at work. People like me. I'm enjoyable to be around. But if you actually think about it, like I'm saying, like, dig just beneath the surface. I'm not even saying you have to dig deep. Right? You'll realize that, and we're all in the same boat here, that, uh, that we don't come even close to living worthy of God. And we don't come close. It's a lot harder than we think. It's not something that's super, like, natural for us. And um, naturally, if you want to, you know, talk about natural, naturally we are selfish, selfish people. We think about ourselves. We are only really concerned about ourselves, how some situation is going to affect us. Naturally, we rebel against God. God says, hey, you know, in his word, hey, you should live life like this. And we go, hmm, okay. Um, actually, I'm going to go do this thing over here. Right? But, but stay there in case I run into trouble. In case my thing doesn't go that way, I'm going to need you to come help me out. You know, that's how we, we view God. That's how we naturally view God. But here, Paul's saying, hey, you need to live worthy. And if it's so hard, and if it's not natural for us to do, if we don't really understand what that, what that means, how are we supposed to do this? And Paul, the good thing is he doesn't leave us hanging. He doesn't say, hey, you know, because God is so perfect and holy and just and all this love that he's grace, he's just pouring out on you and all this stuff that he's done for you, you know, because of all that, you need to live worthy. And then, oh, I got this other subject I want to talk to you about. Here's not what Paul does, right? He says, hey, you need to live worthy. And then the next verse, he says, and this is how you do it. In verse four, one through. So therefore, uh, the I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received with, so this is how we do it, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He's saying live this way. He's saying you got to, you need to live worthy. Live worthy of what Jesus has done for you. 
And in order to do that, you need to, here's a few things you should just keep in mind. Be humble, be gentle, be patient, right? And love one another. And above all all else, he's saying, make sure that you make every effort to keep unity. Okay, so he kind of mentions five things here. He's saying, hey, you need to make every effort to keep unity. And that's kind of the overarching. He's like summing it all up. Hey, yeah, sure, I want you to be humble, and I want you to be gentle, I want you to be patient, and I want you to love everybody. But if you just want the simplest answer, it's this. Be unified. Right? Have unity. See, a healthy church must have unity. Again, we have all been a part of churches in our past that we can look to and say, yeah, not really unified. Like, a unified family is not exactly how I'd describe it, right? We've all, uh, most of us, let's say, have been there. Here at Grace, just so you understand, this is our main goal. Our, Our main goal is to do whatever we possibly can to reach as many people as we possibly can for Jesus, all right? That's, that's it, Simple. We're just trying to do whatever we possibly can to reach as many people as we possibly can for Jesus. That's what God tells us to do all throughout Scripture. But this does not happen without unity. It doesn't happen without unity. A few years ago, I um, was working on my MBA. And uh, every class that I took for that degree, every class, it was like all focused on how to lead a team. Okay, this is how you lead a team. This is how you get everybody on the, on the same page. This is how you get everybody on board. How to turn an organization that everybody's kind of doing their thing into an actual team. Okay, that's how, the, you know, every class it was like that over and over and over again. Um, a few years ago I heard this, this quote. He said, and this is a business concept, but this is what it was. It said, if you could get all the people in the organization rowing in the same direction. All right, it's not everybody has to row super hard. All right, it's not everybody, you know, is, is, you know, a super crazy athlete and going to town and is rowing all the time. It doesn't take, it's, it's not that. It's just rowing in the same direction, all right? If you get all the people in the organization rowing in the same direction, it says you could dominate any industry in any market against any competition at any time. I right, just think about that for a second. All right, business concept. If you could get all the people in your organization just rowing in the, in the same direction, all right, you could dominate any industry in any market against any competition at any time. Uh, personally, I've had the, uh, the privilege to actually see the opposite of this. A few years ago, well, this is maybe many years ago, um, I used to help run this, this middle school summer camp. And, uh, and one of the things we would do every year is we would go, we'd go rafting. And uh, I think this was the last year that I was doing this. Um, it, and by the way, when I say rafting, this isn't like real rafting. This is down in like Mansfield, Ohio. This is uh, like, it's down the Mohican River, so the river's barely moving, and we're just kind of paddling along. That's it. But the kids thought it was like super sweet. We're going rafting. It's going to be crazy. But it wasn't. It was super boring um, <laughs> for all of us leaders at least. And so we're going rafting, and uh, somehow I drew the short straw, and I ended up in a raft full of middle school girls, okay, seventh and eighth grade girls, um, which was like, eh, okay. Um, but uh, we get in the raft, and you give a bunch of middle school girls, like scrawny, skinny little middle school girls a paddle, and that scrawny, skinny little girl becomes like an automatic weapon, all right? It's crazy, 
You got to like watch every move. So all these girls, they got their paddle and they're like swinging it. And I'm like ducking and we're trying to, I'm, I'm like, eh, you know, calm down. You know, I don't want any teeth getting knocked out. And so they shove us, we all get in the raft. They shove us out into the water and the river's not moving at all. It's just like there. And, uh, and we're out there and these girls automatically are like, Battle, battle, battle. You know, they're going as fast as they can, and there's water splashing everywhere. I'm ducking over, you know, there's paddles flinging all over the place, and uh, it's like a war zone in my raft. And uh, we are, they're, they're putting all their effort into rafting, and we're not going anywhere, okay? Actually, the boat's kind of spinning, right? We may have been going the opposite way, against current. I don't know. And, um, and so we're like spinning there, and the problem was, Everybody, like I'm looking around, I'll never forget this. I'm looking around at all the, these like scrawny little girls and, they're, and they're, they're paddling as hard as they can and we're not going anywhere. And I noticed they're all paddling in different directions. Some are going this way, some are going backwards, some are just like paddling to the side. They don't know what, some are just like hitting the water. I don't know what's going on. They're doing like, they're going crazy. And I'm like, you know, and it just reminds me, right? That's kind of how it is with the church, by the way, that, that trip, that was, it was supposed to be a two-and-a-half-hour trip down the Mohican River, right? It took us over five hours to get down that time, <laughs> and it's not my fault, all right? But, uh, but that's kind of how the church is, okay? Every single one of us, this is just how we are. I don't know. It's just the inside, and this isn't necessarily good, but every single one of us, we have the tendency to want to do our own thing, right? Like these girls, Right? We have the tendency to want to do our own thing. We like being in the club, but we want, to do our, we want to push our own agenda. We want to do our own thing. That is how so many churches end up, where it's just a few people kind of going against the current, two, a few people literally paddling in the wrong direction, you know, and, and, and we, the church doesn't go anywhere, right? We don't, we don't go anywhere. But if you could get everybody on the same page, this business concept says you can dominate. And I think that's true in business, but I, and I think that's extremely true in the church because we know that it is impossible to do anything significant by ourselves. We just can't do it. And Paul's saying, live worthy. Well, how? Do that by being humble, gentle, patient, and loving. And above all, above everything, right, keep unity. And I think the first one that he mentions there, humble. Let me just explain what that means real quick. Humble means when you walk into a room, you act as if you're the lowest one. Does that make sense? It's completely opposite of what we naturally like to do. We like to walk into a room. We want people to view us highly. We want to act as if we're the highest one, like we're the one in charge or whatever. And we may be the one in charge, but we're supposed to act as if we are the lowest one. We're supposed to act as a servant, right? Do our job, but we are supposed to serve others while we're doing it. That's what humility is. That's what being humble looks like. Now, some people take that to the opposite extreme, and this is, and this is what I want to point out. Some people, you take that to the op opposite extreme where it's like, hey, oh, look at me. I'm not worth anything. I have no value to anybody. You take it to the opposite extreme, and what are you doing when we do that? that let me just say this. That is not being humble, okay? Because if you look past the surface of that, what are we doing? We are literally taking, when we do that, we're literally taking God's place as judge, and we are judging ourselves. Super prideful. We're saying, hey, God, butt out of the way. I don't care what you think. I'm going to tell you what I'm worth. 
I'm going to tell you what I judge myself to be. That's not good either. Right? That's prideful as much as anything. And so Paul, he's saying, hey, you need to be humble, which is probably the hardest thing for us to do. Gentle, some of, you guys, some of us were natural at that, not me necessarily. Patient, we all need work on that, I would think. And then loving, that's something that we all need to work on as well. He's saying, you do those four things, that is how you are worthy. And if you just want to sum it up into one thing, you just need to do this, keep unity. Row in the same direction. Because when you're not doing one of those four things, we're actually rowing in the opposite direction. When we're not humble, when we're not patient, when we're not gentle, when we don't love each other, you're actually doing the exact opposite. You're rowing in the exact opposite direction. Paul, he, he then explains how united we should look. And it's a little confusing, fair warning. In verse four, he says this, there is one body and one spirit. He's talking, by the way, when he's talking about the body here, he's going to do this for the next few verses. He's talking about the church. He's, he's talking about the church as a, as a body. So there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to be one hope at your calling. All right? One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. You notice the pattern here? No? He says one seven times. Okay, there's one this, one that, one. He's like... There's one, you know, one body, one church, whatever. Here's his point. He's saying we as believers in this room, we that have made that choice to, to start that relationship with God, we as believers in this room, he's saying we are literally members of his body somehow. I mean, just think about this for a second. Just think about it in your mind. This, this is huge. Like right now, me, Zach Pinkerton, sitting on this stage in Tiffin, Ohio, I am connected to the almighty God who created the universe. Right? Who Paul says is father of all and above all and through all and in all. I'm connected to the almighty God. That God, that being, he values me and he cherishes, cherishes me as if I am part of his body. I mean, think about that. It's like, are you kidding me? The God of the universe cherishes and values me like that. I am connected. I have the privilege of being connected to an almighty God, a God who dwells in unapproachable light, a God who cannot be touched, a God who Moses says, um, if we were to even see him, we can't live through that. Moses like, you can't, we can't survive that. I am one with him somehow, Me. And if you start that relationship with God, guess what? You are too. You have the opportunity to be one with him. And just like we are one with him, we are supposed to be one with each other as a church family. It actually gets a little more complicated in the next verse, verse 7. He says, now grace, have you, by the way, have you noticed that grace has been in like every message so far in this series? Right? Paul, he's talk, he's, he talks about grace constantly. Like he's trying to get us to understand, hey, it's grace. Hey, you didn't do anything. It's grace. Okay, what is, what is grace? It's unmerited kindness. We've said this every week, I think. Unmerited kindness that we do not deserve. We can't earn. We can't buy it. We can't pay for it. We can't do anything. This is all God just giving to us. There's nothing we could possibly do. We can't be good enough. You know, whatever. You guys understand, I think, I hope. So he says, now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, and this is the complicated part, when he ascended on high and he took the captives captive, he gave gifts to people. 
But what does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth. The one who descended, Jesus, is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. Now, some of you guys are sitting there, you're like, wait, what? Was that? What's he saying? All right, I was actually going to skip these verses because it's a little complicated, but then I started thinking, I was like, well, there's probably like two people out there that are like, whoa, he's skipping verses. What's he trying to hide? What's he doing here? Is he too afraid to get in the weeds? And I'm going to say, no, I'm not. All right, so we're going to go through this real quick. I also, um, I also like Paul's point here. I think it's a, he just says it in a kind of a complicated way, but remember, this was written 2,000 years ago at a different time in a different language, so it gets a little complicated. It gets a little clunky, but this is what Paul's pointing out. He's saying, hey, check out, like, our perfect example. Like, check that out. Just, just think through this with me. He's saying, God, remember him, who's father of all, who's above all, who's through all and in all. Okay, that's what he just said, right? The God who is far above all the heavens. See, we view God as this old man sitting down on his throne in heaven. And Paul's like, actually, no, that's not the, you don't have the correct view. You don't know who God is then. He's like, no, God is far above the heavens. All right, he's like, he's like way up there. All right, he's way above the heavens. He's saying that God, that almighty being who, again, we can't even like look at and survive. That, you know, we can never do that. He's saying that God descended down to the lowly earth. He's saying that God descended down to the dirt. Why? For us. He's like, isn't that crazy? I mean, talk about unity. Talk about being, uh, being dedicated. I mean, talk, think about this. Talk about humility. Just like that song that we were singing at, at, at the beginning of the service, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You know where we get that? that? Those are the words that the angels are constantly singing to God up in heaven on his throne. That God descended down to earth. I mean, it's crazy. Talk about love. But not only did he do that, but he actually gives to us. In verse 11, he explains kind of some different ways that he gives. And there's more, but these are just a few. Uh, but he says, and he himself, Jesus, he gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. He's saying, hey, those of us who have truly trusted our relationship with God, when we start that relationship with God, the Bible says that God gives us gifts, okay? They're called spiritual gifts. God gives us unique gifts that are different, okay? And he did that on purpose, we have different talents, we have different abilities, we are wired different ways, and that's not, that wasn't some mistake where he's like, oh, I, I really messed up with you, I gave you this, you know, that's not, that's, that's not God. No, he did this on purpose and he did this for a reason. He didn't make us good for something, for our own good either. Okay, we get this confused. We think we're good, so, I mean, we're all good at, at a variety of different things, okay? Um, we're good at things, we're bad at other things, uh, it, but God, he didn't make us good for things for ourselves, Right? What we're good at isn't supposed to be, oh, to, to, to you know, raise us up in our business. 
right, or to really help our family get ahead. That's not, what, that's not what our abilities and talents are for. Our abilities and talents he has given to us, he did it for the church. That's what he's saying. He's, he did this for the body, for the family. And that's actually what Paul says next. In verse 12, he says, this is why. This is why I give you gifts, to equip the saints. Remember, we talked about the word saints last week, saints we, you know, we elevate that word where it's like some ancient person who lived a good life and died, right? Okay, killing me here. All right, so saints is just Christian, right? We're all saints, okay? It, those of us who start a relationship with God. That's the biblical use of the word saints. All right, so he did this for the church. He's saying he gave us these gifts to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, right? And to build up the body of Christ. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Right? He's saying, hey, God gave us gifts for, he says it really in two different ways. Same thing he says in two different ways. He says, for the work of ministry, and God gave us gifts to build up the body, the church. And he did that so that me and you can experience unity. All right? Now, let me just say this. Unity is not the same as uniformity. Does that make sense? All right, unity is not the same as uniformity. We, all, we have strength in our differences, okay? That's important that we understand that. Our differences give us the ability to reach different people. And so we should never be someone going, oh, if only I could have that talent that she has. Man. I'm a nobody, right? Or if only I could do what he does. Man, I wish I could do that. Now, God designed us on purpose, and he designed us for a reason, and we have the same value, we have the same worth, but not everything in our life is gonna be equal. And so many times, especially young people, like college students, this is what, this is what I see, is we spend so much effort and time and energy not in growing in our relationship with God, but on trying to make the world more equal, trying to make the world more fair. And the, the honest truth is that cannot happen. Like in a sinful world, it's just unequal. It's just fair. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. See, God has given to us different uh, experiences. He's given us different backgrounds. That's good. He's, he's given us different amounts of wealth. That's fine. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. He's given us different opportunities. Right? He did that on purpose. He's given us different gifts and he's given us different abilities. God made us that way. And that is actually the reason why unity is so important. See, I totally get it. Some people can do stuff I cannot do. That's totally fine. Right? We should be totally fine with that. Like uh, in the atrium, I'll walk, I'll walk past the nursery and I'll look through the window. And just looking in there makes me uncomfortable. It's like, ooh, babies. Right? And I have one. Right? In my house. Uh, but, uh, you know, like, babies aren't my thing. All right? Ladies, I can promise you, I will never, ever, ever ask to hold your baby. Okay? You don't have to worry about that. I, I just won't do it. Um, you know, it's just not, I don't, to be honest, I don't really care. You know, that sounds bad. All right? It's just not me. All right? Um, you know, I'll hold my own kids, but, you know, someone else's kid is like, for some reason, I should care about my own kids more, it seems like, but I'm like more worried when I got somebody else's might break it, break something or something. 
Um, but that's okay, right? Some of you guys are really good at that. Some of you guys love babies. You love little kids, and that's, and that's totally fine. God has made us different. We are wired differently. We are wired in different ways. See, Paul, he's trying to get us to understand. He's like, no, you guys, you guys need to understand. The church family, those of us in here, I mean, look around. Our church family, we are many parts that are different, but we work together to make one body. That's how it's supposed to work. We work together to make one family. See, Paul, he's saying, hey, growing in our relationship with God is, in a sense, connected to our unity. Our personal spiritual growth is connected to our unity as a collective. It's so interesting. Sometimes I'll, I'll hear, and I hear this a lot. I hear this all the time. I'll t- be talking to somebody, and they're like, well, you know, I'll invite them to church or whatever, but it's like, eh, I don't really, you know, I'm a Christian, and, you know, um, I don't really need church, right? I don't need church. Church... You know, I, I could do, I can work on my relationship with God on my own. I can read my Bible on my own. I can pray by my, my own. You know, I don't need church. And I'm like, you know, it's just like, no, you don't understand the Bible then <laughs> because church isn't my idea. It's not man's idea. This is God's idea. All right, this church, our church family here, this isn't like Zach Pinkerton. All right, no, this isn't yours. This is God's thing. All right, this is God's family. God designed this. This is what God wanted. And he's saying our growth, he did this. He wants us to come together. He wants us to be united. He wants us to be a family because our growth is connected to church unity. Our growth is connected to each other. This is what, you know, iron sharpens iron. We're supposed to be connected to each other. And that means on the flip side that if our church and our family, if we are not united, that means we're not growing. That means personally, individually, we can't experience growth because they're connected here. Our spiritual maturity is connected to our unity and part of being part of a healthy church. That's what Paul's saying in verse 14. He says, then we will no longer, when we are united, right, when we have this unity that we're supposed to have, when we are united, we will no longer be little children, right? We'll no longer be kids, but tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning and with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, he says, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. There was, um, I'm trying to think, a few years ago, well, this is more than a few years ago, when I first asked Kate to, to marry me, okay, I, a year before that, I came up with this plan. My grandpa had this old boat. It's an old aluminum boat from like the early 50s. So it's like old. And uh, it was always sitting in his backyard growing up. And, and I was like, hey, I'm going to grab that old boat and I'm going to take it home and I'm going to fix it up and I'm going to take Kate out on it sometime or I'm going to ask her to marry me on this boat. I don't know where I got this idea. I just came up with it. And, uh, and so I did that. I ended up doing it. So I went to Colorado. We, we drug the boat home at, to my house and I, I worked on it for like a year and uh, it was time. And so we pulled the boat to, the, to Chicago. That's where Kate lived. And it was in April because it was for her birthday. And um, my plan was I was going to propose to her on this boat. And so we do- I docked it at Chicago Harbor. Now it's April, so there's like hardly any other boats. The place is basically empty except for these like massive, huge, multi-million dollar yachts. Okay, those are around. But all the, like, the little boats are gone. No one's putting in their boat in mid-April because it's freezing. 
And so I, uh, we put the boat in, docked it, came up with this plan. I went and got Kate for her birthday, surprised her, uh, took her out to eat, um, did a carriage ride, you know, all this stuff that I was like, this is costing me a lot of money, this stupid horse, you know, but, but it was good because she liked it. And, uh, and actually, they were late, which really ticked me off, but whatever. So uh, we did this carriage ride around the city of Chicago, you know, right downtown, skyscrapers, you know, everything, loves in the air. And, and, uh, and then we got out at this, uh, at the, the Chicago Harbor, or where the docks were. We're, we're close to where my boat is docked. So we're walking around, and, and uh, we walk down this, the, the dock, and the boat's sitting there, and I jump in the boat, and she actually starts freaking out, because she's like, what are you doing? You're gonna get in so much trouble. It's someone's boat, you know, what are you, get out of there. And she's like, freaking out on me, like, no, this is actually my boat. I've been working it up, you know, fixing it up. I've been working on it, and uh, she jumped in. She's like, oh, cool, you know, look at all this, and, and then uh, I asked her to marry me. So that's the story. Um, she said yes. Everything's going well, right? Like, it's a pretty good day. Things in it. She said yes. I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, gonna get married now. The boat worked, all that stuff. Um, but then I had to put the boat on the trailer. Now I had never done this before, ever, and uh, I'd actually never driven a boat before. My first time I drove a boat was in Chicago Harbor, surrounded by multi-million-dollar yachts, and I wouldn't suggest that for anybody. It's not a good training place. Um, and at that time, when, I, when I'm getting the boat, get, wanting to put it on the, on the trailer, my dad's going to take it home, I, uh, the wind, like, started picking up, okay? Water's getting choppy, and I realized I didn't have as much control over this boat as I thought I did, right? And uh, the thing about a boat, and some of you guys are like, what's the big deal? A boat never stays still, right? It's always moving. So you're always drifting somewhere, which is so annoying when you're, tr- you're just like, stop moving. And so the wind's pushing us around, and, and I'm getting like thrown around the boat. The waves are getting choppy, and I can't get the stupid boat on the trailer because I keep going sideways, and I keep ramming. The boat keeps like flying into this concrete wall that's right next to it. And I'm like, oh, I just fixed this boat up. Now it's going to sink right here. This is going to be terrible. And it was super embarrassing. But it just reminds me kind of what Paul's saying here. Right? He's saying, hey, we're, it's almost like we're like a boat. And when the wind comes, and that blows us off course, and the waves start getting choppy, and we just start getting thrown around where we just have no control. And it's so frustrating because it's like, like we, we give up control. It's like we're just getting thrown around. What Paul's doing is he's describing how we have the potential to be tossed by the waves and blown around by the wrong teaching, okay? He's saying wrong teaching is what does that to us in our lives, right? God tells us one thing, we're like, eh, the world tells us this, so I'm going to go after this. Right? He actually describes this wrong teaching. He says, hey, this wrong teaching is human cunning, okay, and it's cleverness, right, and it's techniques of deceit. That's what it is. And it's easy for us to get off course. But what helps us to stay on course is being united and being a part of a healthy church. I see it's easy for Satan to pick us off one by one. But when we're standing united together, all right, there's nothing he can do. We, that, that's, that's, you know, it's difficult to get us. Because we're constantly working with each other. We're constantly helping each other out. We're constantly on our guard against this, this fake teaching that the world is constantly telling us. You turn on the TV, you know, it's a false message. You turn on the radio, false message. You go into work, people are telling you, you know, it's that. It messes us up. 
Sometimes in our lives, we just feel like we're just thrown around by the waves and thrown around by the winds. It's like, what is going on? We need to be part. We need to be united with a church, with a healthy church. And in verse 16, last verse, he says this, from him, meaning Jesus, the whole body, the church, right, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament. Now, he's, he's comparing the body of believers, comparing our church family with a human body, Okay. Uh, so we're, we're fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament. This promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Right? He's saying, hey, we are fitted and knitted together. Right? Each individual part of the body, we need to do our part. That is how the body, as he says, builds itself up. That's how we become stronger. That is how we grow. Now, let me challenge you with something. By the way, this is only for those of us who call, for those of you who call Grace your church home. This is only for those of you who are part of our church family. We want you to be a part of our family. We have room for you. We, we want you here, all right? But if you haven't taken that step yet and you, don't, you haven't started that relationship with God and you don't, you're not sure, you know, this is not for you. And, uh, and I also want to say this, is that we as a church are in a very, you know, we're in a very unique situation is we're new. Okay, a lot of us, we're new Christians. A lot of us, we haven't, we haven't been to church for a long time and, and, you know, we're still getting back into the routine of things or whatever. And, uh, and so from my perspective, I feel like you guys get a little grace for this, okay? I don't know about God's perspective, but from mine, I'm like, eh, you know, we get some grace. And it, it, it's something like this. If you have been coming to grace for a long time, like before our launch, right, which is a handful of us. If you are not involved with grace on a monthly basis, let's say, and you've been coming since before our launch, I don't know if you could call yourself unified with us. Like, I just can't reason that in my head that you could say, well, you know, I'm, I'm unified in the church. I'm really, I'm, I'm doing my part being part of this family. I don't think you could say that. Right? Because we have a part and we have a job to do. See, a lot of people come and and, uh, and if you're new and this is like what you're thinking, uh, this isn't how it's supposed to be, right? A lot of people come but never really want to help with anything and never want to get involved and, and they don't give and, and, uh, and they're all for the church. Like, don't get me wrong, you, you love the church, you're all about the church, you know, you care about the church, but you're not really helping the church. See, I don't think that's right. I, mean, I think Paul makes that pretty clear here. Right? It's, it's almost like this, since I feel like I have a, nautical theme to this uh, message. Think of it like this. Okay, the church is like a boat, right? We're like a boat. We're all like on a boat. All right, we all have an oar. God's given us an oar. He's given us a, an oar that, that is, actually fits us perfectly. He's given us a gift. And, and a lot of you guys, let me just say this, are rowing like crazy and we notice it, all right? Let me just point that out. You're serving. Uh, some people are serving every week and that's not what we want from you. We want you to have a break, all right? But we're, we're rowing, we're rowing, but a lot of people, and I haven't seen many people rowing in the opposite direction, which is awesome. That saves so much stress, takes so much stress out of us, our lives as leaders. Um, but what I do see is a lot of people just not rowing. And that's okay at the beginning. I mean, it's new. You're trying to figure things out. I, I, I get it. But if you've been on the boat for a long time, that's something you should probably do. 
right? And if you think about it, and I'm not trying to offend anybody, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, we're just trying to just say, hey, this is how it is. Now, let's, as, as a family, let's try to figure out how to do this better, right? But in reality is, if we've been on the boat for a long time and we're, we haven't picked up the paddle yet to row, we're actually making it harder for the people who are rowing, right? Because the boat is bigger, and that makes things more difficult, and the boat is heavier. See, the, the honest truth is we as a church, we need help. We need help. God has designed us to fit together in church ministry. And guess what? He has uniquely gifted you to help out. He's uniquely gifted you in a specific way to help the church. And let me say this, is that when you choose not to, not to, to help or when you choose not to get involved, you know what you're doing? You're robbing us as a family of your gifts and your talents that God gave you for the family. Think of it that way. You're robbing us as a family of the gifts and talents that God specifically gave you to help the family out. You are depriving the church of your talents and your abilities, what God has made you good at. See, my job as pastor is not to do all the work of the ministry, but my job is rather to help you see your giftedness, and then when you get it and it clicks in your mind and you understand, you're like, okay, yeah, God has made me good in this way, then my job is to, to help encourage you to unleash yourself in the community around you to reach people. See, many people got this backwards. You think, oh, Zach Pinkerton on stage, you know, he's been called to ministry, that's not how it is. It's we have been called to ministry. See, Grace Church Tiffin Campus doesn't just have three ministers on staff, right? We actually have like 700 ministers. See, we got to come together and do this thing. We need to come together and reach Tiffin. We need to come together and reach Seneca County. If you haven't gotten involved and, and this is your church and um, you know, this is like, well, this is my church home and this is my family, I'm part of this family, then I would encourage you to get involved. You know, one easy thing you could do is grab the information card on, on the pocket in front of you and, uh, and you put your name on it. I know maybe you've already done this and threw it in the offering, but just do it again. Uh, put your name on it and just mark what area on the back. You can mark what area you're interested in serving. All right. We don't want to place you in a place that you'll hate. We want to match you in a place where, you're, where you match your, your gifts, right? We want you to enjoy serving once in a while. And you could take that. You could take that information center and give that to them, or you could just go to the information center and ask them, you know, about serving and how you can get involved. You know, we want to help you do that. We want to be the on-ramp for you to help, getting to help get involved in your church family, See, Paul's saying, hey, live worthy. Be humble, be gentle, be patient, be loving. But above all, to live worthy, be united in a healthy church. I want you to know this is where you belong. Like you belong here. If you're from Tiffin and you're a Christian, this is it. This is your home. This is your family, your spiritual family. We need to help each other out. And we want this family to grow. Let's pray. Lord, um, God, you're so good to us. And uh, you have given us 
specific gifts that aren't for us. You've given us different abilities and different talents that you didn't give so that we could be good at something, so we can make ourselves look better. No, you gave it to us so that we can help build your body, the church. God, we ask that you challenge us to use those for you. And we ask that you, you challenge us to, to get involved in the local church here and with our church family that you've given us. God, we thank you for this place and we thank you for what it means to so many of us. And, and we thank you for caring about us and, and designing church in the way that, that we are a family and that we are together. Lord, you do care about us and, and we grow when we're together. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.